The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. But truly, I'm humbled to be in front of you this morning. Uh, Just thank you all uh, for the opportunity. It's a privilege to share what I've uh, learned about dwelling, dwelling in the Lord. Um, the Holy Spirit is in this place. I truly believe that every week. Um, and, uh, I just, uh, man, it's, it's kind of scary to be up here sometimes, boy. Um, God is good. God is so good. Uh, so, so my message today is a uh, friend of God. Um, it's not just dwell, but it's friend of God. And it kind of came to me actually yesterday morning, which was kind of scary. And I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but uh, so that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Uh, James two twenty three uh, says this, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Um, the Holy Spirit is working even when we don't see it. Praise God for that. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bow our hearts and, and pray. Heavenly Father, good morning. Thank you for this breath. Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you everything we have, Lord, at this time. We want to give you our devotion. We adore you. We love you, Lord. You constantly remind us. And Father, we, we're all in different places. You know exactly where we are. You know what we need. We ask you to just continue to remind us of your love, your grace, your mercy, and your truth. Lord, today that uh, every word that I say will be an honor to you, God. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will speak through me for you and for your glory. God, there are people in this room who are struggling. You know what those needs are. They've experienced loss. We pray for comfort. Father, forgive us when we neglect to reflect on you, of your goodness. Cleanse our hearts right now, Lord, as we prepare our minds, our bodies for communion, that we would be in step with your spirit, and that we would take it out of this room into our mission field the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, remind us to dwell at all times, not just when we're down and we need help. We need you always. God, you are a blessing. You are our greatest blessing. May we never forget that. Lord Jesus, it's all because of you. You took hell for us. Bless your name. Bless your holy name. Bless this time. May we serve and glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So let me be clear. I stand here as a work in progress. Uh, 
as some of you have known from me for a while, um, pushing back against the opportunity to stand in front of you and share what I've learned about the Lord has been, uh, whew, it's been a, it's been a process. Um, but I'm thankful to be here. Um, I'm probably going to get choked up a few times, so just bear with me and forgive me in advance, please. Um, it's been a long journey. Um, but the Lord, He's faithful. So today's verses that we're going to talk about is John 15, 1 through 17. And it's just, uh, it's awesome when we think about what He's up to. When we, t- when we stop and break it down and just ne- reflect. So let's read Scripture and... I'll be honest, I apologize. I don't know what that's going to look like, um, the, uh, the PowerPoint. Uh, <laughs> I'm a teacher, but I don't know, something about the size of the font or something. It just messes me up. So uh, let's read John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he It is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed that you, would, you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. It's a great reminder of what God calls us to as believers, our relationship with him, to be with him, to remain close, to abide, to dwell. It's a two-way street, though. When we intentionally dwell with him, he's dwelling in us. Throughout today, there's just so many scripture verses that are illuminating this subject matter. So let's look at what dwell comes to mean. To reside. To stay. To live in a specified place. 
to tarry, to remain in place, to abide. And honestly, this is probably my favorite. To linger in expectation. Now in the Old Testament, there was a term, yashaba, which means to sit down. Gives you that same impression of staying, of being in a place permanently. Another translation, Hebrew translation through scripture is shakan, to settle down or stay permanently. Which is translated from the rabbinic word shekinah, that which dwells. Now shekinah, the word, is not actually in scripture, but it's pointing to God's glory throughout scripture. His light literally shining. Now we know from the book of Revelation that his, in other parts of scripture, his, his light is unapproachable. But visible manifestations of God on earth, we've seen this throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1, Solomon finished praying, and fire came down from heaven. Shekinah glory. Exodus 40, 34. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. He's dwelling. The God of all creation is dwelling in us, in these places where we can see, we can understand In the New Testament, there's also many Greek translations of the term okio, to abide. And it has various meanings of the Father indwelling in Jesus in John 14, verse 10. The dwelling of the believer in Jesus in John 6:56. A dwelling place for all of us, Psalm 90. I think many of us probably in this room have prayed Psalm 91, verse 1. And I'm going to go on and on and on. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 17. This is like a treasure trove I was uncovering. And I mean, I apologize. My wife and I, we were supposed to go out to dinner last night. And I couldn't because I was just... It was just, whew. I woke up yesterday and I thought that it was Sunday. <laughs> now my wife, Mary Beth, was out of town and I literally was sweating and I, my eyeballs were like bugging out of my head. I couldn't believe, like, I, I'm not ready. <sighs> Thank you, Lord, for the day after yesterday. So let's get into the text. John 15, verses 1 through 3. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. In verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. There's many references to vines, the true vine, Israel, and the, and the sense of what the vine represents. In Psalm 80, verses 8 through 9, we see it states, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. 
This is referencing the Jews coming out of Egypt, out of hundreds of years of slavery. The vine. We jump to the New Testament. We see in Mark 12, verses 1 through 12, the parable of the tenants. And Jesus speaks specifically about the fact that there is the owner of the vineyard, God. The son of the vineyard, Jesus. And all those who mistreat and eventually kill the son. This is, this is analogous to us rejecting Jesus. It goes back to the vine. How do we reconcile this? Not just, it's not just Israel that's been rebellious and often received judgment. But through it all, even with us, our current culture, Jesus remains faithful. He fulfills the calling. The church is not the vine. Jesus is. He's not the trunk or the roots or the branches. He is the vine. And he fulfills every promise. Now we as the church are a part of that destiny. Branches of the vine. But it's only through Christ that this destiny can be fulfilled. Without him, we're like dead twigs. That really woke me up. Because as we get up and we go through our routine, it's easy to check the boxes, as I've said before. It's to feel like we're accomplishing something. But this is the creator of all life, the universe, heaven and earth, We need to be dependent on him. Simple as that. And when we don't think that, that's when we find ourselves in challenging situations. Now what's interesting about that particular parable is that Jesus was getting ready to leave and to tell his disciples that he was going to be leaving them. But he's telling them also that you can stay connected to him through the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. And the same applies to us. The Holy Spirit is with us every day. It's not a ritual. It's not a routine. Praise God. We can stay connected to the true vine. We can have life Praise God. Now verse 3 is awesome for a whole different reason. It doesn't specifically speak to the vine. It talks about being clean because the word that he spoke to us. And earlier in John 13, Jesus spoke about your body's already clean. The only thing you need to take care of is cleaning your feet because we're washed through the word. Bible scholar, his name is Merrill Tenney, he wrote that the word of God is a cleansing agent. It condemns sin, it inspires holiness, it promotes growth, and it reveals power for victory. Are you kidding me? 
How could we not be moved by that? Man, humbling, truly humbling. Jesus continues to wash his people through the word. Tenney went on to say that pruning or cleaning is done by the word of God. Each of us, including the disciples, are going through a pruning process at points in our lives. It conditions us for further, better, holy service. Is that how we look at it? God is available for us all the time. Are we available for Him? Man, what a gift we have in the Word of God. He cleanses us. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some. Not a little bit. Every last sin. Even the ones you want to hold on to. God is good. Let's talk about the mutual relationship that we have with the Lord and He with us. Verses 4 through 6. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. This is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street, as my dad used to say. It's not a one-way street, son. I really quite got what that meant, because I was pretty selfish. But when I see what God is talking about here, it's a choice. We have to make the choice. When the Lord says, abide in me, he's talking about our will our choices, our decisions. What are we going to do to expose ourselves to Him? To stay into constant contact with Him. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But that is what it means to abide, to dwell, to stay close, to linger in expectation. It's impossible for the branch to bear fruit if it's not connected to the vine. Makes sense. The disciple can't actually do God's true good for his kingdom if they're not consciously and willingly connecting with him. This is abiding. When we recognize we need a Savior, we understand that we're completely reliant on him. Everything we do is connected to him. Every thought, every desire, when we recognize it's all because of him. It's our choice. It demonstrates how important it is to dwell with him daily. Let's be clear. It's not as if the disciples couldn't be active without Jesus. We're all very active. So are the enemies of Jesus. 
but we can do nothing of real, solid, eternal value without Christ. Our purpose is to bear good fruit. What's my purpose? I don't need 40 days to figure that one out. It took me probably 50 years to come to that one. Galatians 5:22 through 26. But the fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, that last verse really gets overlooked. That's just my opinion. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It's a great reminder. We can connect with the Spirit when we, when we have our quiet time, when we're dwelling, abiding. How long does it take for that to change? Then what? We only call when we need him, right? When we have downs. When we're up, we're pretty good. James 1, 22 through 25, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We must keep him close. Every single day, when I get on that road, I'm telling you, 66th Street, come in here this morning. Dually wheels and trying to run me off the road, and I don't drive a small car. That was a test. <laughs> but we have to stay close in step with the Spirit, not just in our quiet time. And that is a challenge because we're so busy. I've shared this story with some people, maybe a gentleman that I used to work with when I was a, in a hotel manager way, way back in the day. He was from Brazil. And he's like, you Americans, you don't enjoy life. You're busy, busy, busy. And I'm like... I was in my 20s. What do you know? He was right. We are busy. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's what gets in the way. So how do we keep him close? Well, put the word on your heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 11. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is he who dwells and meditates on the word day and night. Psalm 37, 
Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart, not my desires, because my desires then become your desires, God. Let me encourage you today, wherever you are in your walk, whatever it looks like for you this week, whether you're at the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, the Lord is with you. Be encouraged. Keep searching. Don't give up. He's not moving. He's not changing. Every morning, one of my celebrations is I go to Isaiah 25, verse 1. Oh Lord, you are my God. Me. And I will exalt you for you have done wonderful things, plans of old, faithful and sure. 1 Kings 8, 28, Solomon is raising up his hands says, Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven and earth. Acts 4.24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God's sovereign Lord. They said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Do we truly adore God? I'm the first to tell you. I get out of sync. I'm that guy looking in the mirror. But I come back to these scripture verses every day. And I pray the Spirit moves and keeps me in step. Sanctification takes time. I always refer to the block of wood with all the rough edges and God is uh, the various forms of the various levels of sandpaper. And he's continually sanding down the rough edges of my life. Maturity takes time. Will you create new habits? Will you step out in, in discipline, not routine? It might take a while. Will you be introspective and pray about where you have blind spots? And I'm first in line, trust me. But he's waiting. How encouraging is that? He's not going anywhere. He promises not to leave us. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Praise the Lord. Key point, fruit has seeds. Hmm. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about bearing fruit, but we don't talk about the seeds. And I, I joke, we always have this conversation at school. There's tomato a fruit, right? We never thought of it as a fruit when we're putting it on hamburgers or salad. But all kidding aside, the seeds of fruit are meant to make more fruit. What we do and say matters. It represents the seeds of more fruit. Here's the beauty of it. God's timing. The hard part is us being patient enough. We are a microwavable society. Veggies in a bag in five minutes or less. Right? I mean, and if you don't have a microwave... God bless you. <laughs> and there's a few of you in here. I know you don't have one. And I mean, you guys are up here. I'm not that guy. But the seeds that we plant in others, we don't know what that's going to look like. 
but God does. Our position is to be available, to be open, to be willing, to be in step with the Spirit for God's glory. This is a choice we make to abide and remain in constant contact. How many of you have heard of the email service called Constant Contact? Anybody? Right. What's the point of that? The point of that is, is that you stay in constant contact with your clients, right? So it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it's a numbers game. Well, it works for us in our relationship with God too. Whether it be the Word of God, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a message, scripture verse that pops up every so often throughout the day, being in relationships with accountable people who are like-minded and love the Lord. Tangible, real ways to linger in expectation so that when we get in that car and we're driving down that crazy road, the Lord is with us. Not just in our quiet time, in our war room. That's what dwelling means to me. That's what he told he taught me this week. Lingering in expectation. Do we pray expectantly? Or are we asking God, and I use this term, you know, with, with all due respect to those of you who love Aladdin, but a genie in a bottle. And as Brother Colin has said before, to bless our mess. Or are we trusting in the God of the universe to complete his divine plan and that we're a small part of that, but praise God that we are. Back to that one-way street, two-way street analogy. It started because God loved us first. He pursued us. All of you who sit here today and call Christ Lord, it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of what he's done. And you know what's awesome? He promises to be with us always. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And teach them all that I have taught you to obey to commandments. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus said this. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Promise made to Joshua as he's about ready to enter into the promised land. Hebrews 13, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do we believe that? Do we trust that? And there are days when we are challenged, of course. But he's always there. Our reliance on ourselves is challenged every day. Something as simple as saying, Lord, I'm about to drive down this road. I need you. We can do nothing without him. Which is against our nature, especially here in the West, right? In the American, American point of view. We want to control everything. We want our outcomes to line up with our outcomes. We want... God to be our co-pilot. 
Now, I'm not speaking to anybody individually. I just know that I get myself into a rut where this is, a, this is real for me. But we can't bear fruit without Jesus. Sounds pretty simple. But we make it very difficult because we're selfish and prideful and we want to consume and consume the word. And it changes your entire outlook on life. So what might motivate us to seek him more? To seek his love, which he's given us in abundance. Maybe you're at a place right now where you're questioning that. You've been through some rough times. Actually, when you become a Christian, it's a guarantee that you're going to have trials. Matter of fact, it's for those of you who know people who think otherwise, I'm sure you can give a testimony. There will be trials, but he'll be with you. He'll see you through. He'll be with you. And if what it is that you're praying for doesn't occur, will you still love him? Will you still worship him and thank him? Do you trust him enough to recognize him as sovereign? Are you dwelling? Are you in constant contact enough with him to know that he knows what he's doing? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, one of my life verses, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Not some of your ways. All. That's a calling. It's a spirit thing too, boy. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a spirit thing. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your free, willing, steadfast spirit, God. When we lose focus, when we lose constant contact, our life reflects it. When Pastor Colin and I met many, many, many years ago, we played basketball on Saturdays, for those of you who know the story. We got to sit on a picnic table and go through the Word of God, and we talked about you know, some, some things that meant a lot to us. And At the time, you know, the, the group Casting Crowns was a, just an up-and-coming group, you know, contemporary Christian group. They had a song called Slow Fade. Not to be hokey here or anything, but that song affected my life because when, the, when you think you got it figured out, that slow fade, sin creeps in. The enemy knows what he's up to also. We have to stay emboldened. And this is what, this is what Jesus is talking about, abiding. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's a pretty serious consequence. He's warning us. He's warning the disciples. There's only life as long as we're connected to the vine, Jesus. There may be some life left in that vine when it breaks away, right? There might be some sap or some juice in the vine, in the branches, I should say. 
but eventually it dries up. Slow fade. We only have spiritual life so long as we're connected to Jesus. The lifeless, lifeless branch has no fruit. He didn't say you'll be cast out if you don't bear fruit. He said you'll be cast out if you do not abide. Make, that sh- make sure you understand that distinction. Stay connected. Keep searching. Keep praying. Don't give up. I promise you, it'll be worth it. Verse 7. My words abide in you, it shall be done for you. It's a deeper connection. Expectant prayer. It becomes safe for God. This is Spurgeon now. Charles Spurgeon's a quote. said, it becomes safe for God to say to the sanctified soul... Quote, ask what you thou wilt, and it shall be done unto thee. The heavenly instincts of that man lead him right. The grace that is within his soul thrusts down all the covetous lustings and foul desires, and his will is the actual shadow of God's will. The spiritual life is master in him. And so his aspirations are holy, heavenly, godlike. Nailed it. I think the Spurgeon might have known something. To be a good and faithful servant is not through, excuse me, is it not through your love, devotion, adoration, and offerings of grace and mercy for his glory? I believe it is. In verse 8, he said, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is not presenting a you know, legal case. God already knows. But it's an honor to be his disciple. He's honored by our love, our devotion, our willingness to obey his commandments. Isn't he? Are you not sold? I believe you, I believe I am. I believe it makes God smile when we willingly honor him through our lives because we use our gifts our blessings, our talents, our heart. And we're doing it for his glory, not for our own benefit, but for his. Because he loves us beyond our imagination. And if you don't believe that, I'm telling you, he does. Scripture points that out time and again. I have this conversation at school all the time about works. This is not about works. This is not about doing good things to be saved. This is not that. This is after we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, by submitting our lives, by trusting Him. Willingness to obey for His glory, not ours. To live sacrificially for Him. To be a good and faithful servant comes through the grace and truth of Jesus. Praise God for that. Verse 9, as the Father loves me, I also have loved you. He was deliberate, are we? Are we conditional? Jesus taught 
He shepherded. He guided. He sacrificed for his disciples. He used his power and authority as well. And the Father did these things for Christ as well. We see the pattern and the characteristics of this love, this Father loving his Son that's unchanging, close and personal, without any kind of measurements. It's awesome. How do we show it back? By living it out. Living out loud. Obeying his commandments. Honoring his word. And what's the point? Joy. Verse 11. Not joy, happiness joy. Nope. Mm-mm. Not excitement joy. Well, those things are good. This is the joy of knowing Jesus. It's not about an easy life or being thrilled by a moment or two. It's about your walking in his love and his care and you have a conscious understanding of the fact that the creator of all life loves you. He abides in us and we return by abiding in him. We dwell. That's the joy in the journey. Abiding, remaining, staying, lingering in expectation. I have no idea what I'm doing up here. Okay, good. Verse 12. Love as I have loved you. This is tough. This is really a challenge, verse 12. Now this church body, um, like nothing I've ever seen as far as having a deep-rooted concern and care for one another. This is the mark of believers who are walking to bring others to see who God is, not by just words, but by your actions. And certainly we need to proclaim it. But as we know, talk is cheap. Kindness, selflessness, genuine care for one another. This is the Jesus I know. This is the Jesus I want to share. And it's not in my strength, it's in his. He gives me those words, those actions. And trust me, when I'm coming out of the gas station and I'm approached by somebody who's a stranger and they want money or we've all been there, what's our response? That's tough. Are we in a rush? Are we willing to share Christ with the least of these? Look in the mirror, John. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
we can be prepared. I tell my students, I say, listen, I don't want to hear all your sob stories. Be prepared. I'm such a gentle soul. (laughs) Success is when preparation meets opportunity. Prepare yourselves. Stay prayed up. Not some ritual prayer. Right? You know, the, the Lord's prayer is awesome. Dig deeper. Because that prayer shoots into so many different areas. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus went further. He talked about laying down one's life for one another. There's nothing greater than this. This is a, a kind of love we have a difficult time understanding. Time and time again in Scripture, we see these kind of examples. It's not something we can do in our own strength, that I assure you, which is why we need Him to dwell, to stay, to be in constant contact, to abide. Now, verses 15 through 17. He calls us friends. That's the reward. I am a friend of God. If we follow his commands, he calls us friends. He chose us to go bear fruit and to abide in his name. Will you stay close? Will you stay constant in his word and in prayer? Will you listen? Or will you do all the talking? And right now I'm talking to myself, so trust me. Abiding and dwelling through this, we can experience God, the creator of the universe, who calls you friend. Honestly, that just came to me yesterday morning. Now that was that verse was in there the whole time. How many of you know the song, Friend of God? Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. Sing it. I am a friend of God. You call me friend. Believe it. When you understand that, it will change your entire life. When you dwell, he calls you friend. Now I have a long, long list of verses about dwelling in the Lord and for time's sake I'm not going to go through them and rattle them off in some insignificant way. But trust me, if you want them, I got them. And I'd be happy to share them with you. It's surely goodness and mercy will follow you 
all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you've heard these words today and you're not sure, but you're intrigued, you're moved, you have questions, maybe you're ready to make that decision for Jesus to submit your life, then we don't want you to leave here without praying with you. Pastor Colin, Marty, Fred, me, don't go. Maybe you need to recommit yourself. Today's that day. You've had lots of ups and downs, challenges, whatever the case may be. Today's the day. Don't let it slide. Come see us. Today we have an opportunity to, to, to commune, to remember what Christ did for us, which gives us the opportunity to dwell with him. Don't leave here today without one of us praying with you or many of us praying with you. We love you, Lord. I love you all. I've told you before, I pray for you every week, some of you every day. If you've never met me, come see me because I want to write your name down so that at least somebody is calling out your name to God because he knows what you need. He never leaves you nor forsake you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his light, his Shekinah glory shine on you this day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.